Each week, Invest Talk listeners ask Steve and Justin what they use for winning investment research. And the answer is Y Charts. Quality data with easy to use tools. You can start your free trial today. And if you purchase during the month of June, you'll get 14 months of Y Charts for the price of 12, plus a free subscription to the KPP Premium Newsletter. Subscribe now. Go.ycharts.com slash investtalk. This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast. Good afternoon, investors, and welcome to Invest Talk. This is our Thursday, June 27th, 2019 edition of Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein, and I thank you for joining me on this beautiful Thursday afternoon, summer Thursday afternoon. Summer has come, and we are near the end of the second quarter. Right, Tomorrow is the last day of trading for the second quarter. So we're basically at the halfway mark of the year. And so I want to hear from you. Where do you think your portfolio sits? Is it sitting in the right place based on market conditions over the past uh, 18 months or so? Maybe it's uh, just your general financial conditions that you're worried about. Either way, give me a call. 888-99-CHART. 9924278 that's how you get through and ask your question on today's show and if you do call you're able to shape this show to your advantage to help you move incrementally towards that goal of financial freedom so once again our anytime listener line is now open and I'm taking your calls live 88899 chart now my main talking point today concerns the fact that CVS has made clear why health companies should be worried about Amazon. They filed a lawsuit arguing that Amazon could pose a threat if it negotiates directly with insurers. And I'm going to explain why that is and why this is a good example of how the healthcare industry is ripe for disruption. And there aren't many more disruptive companies out there than the likes of Amazon. So I'm going to touch on that today. But also, we're going to touch on the economic indicators right now that are flashing red in the, the economy. It's not, just, uh, it's, it's not just your standard run-in-the-middle GDP. It's uh, usually more under the surface. And so we're going to get down under the surface a little bit and touch on the indicators that are showing a slowing economy. Also, transitioning to Medicare. How do you do that? What are the variables that matter for you? And so this is going to be important for anybody who's probably over the age of 50 right now and looking to plan for how to transition from you know private insurance to something that is Medicare related. Uh, but this, and if you watch the Democratic debate last night, you will probably know or probably foresee that this Medicare discussion could apply to everybody because 
Medicare for all looks to be gaining steam. Okay, so we're going to touch on that. Whether I agree with that or not, I'm not going to say, but that's something that is uh, looks to be gaining steam. And then also, lastly, financial literacy. Financial literacy. We're going to talk about the trends there and what questions could four out of five answer. Four out of five of these financial literacy questions they cannot answer. We're going to touch on those as well. So those are the topics that are on my mind, and I want to hear from you. I want to know what is on your mind. Today, the market was up. Pretty nice update overall on optimism coming out of the G20 summit over the weekend, or that, that, that's coming uh, this weekend. And there's a lot of expectation that, or at least some rumors, that there's going to be a trade truce. Maybe not a trade deal, but a trade truce. And I don't know if I buy it uh, because Trump's already kind of done this, extended, extended. Uh, there's been tough talk, but that's kind of what he does, right? A little tough talk here, a little tough talk there. Uh, and then he backtracks and, and says everything, the relationship's great. And, you know, this is... Uh, it's a process to come to some sort of a deal, and I just don't see that happening in the near term. Now, could this rally have to do with the Fed cutting rates? There are some that are saying the Fed's going to cut 50 basis points in July. I'm not sure I believe that. I think they would do 50 basis points in July, or sorry, 25 in July, and then 25 in September, kind of spread it out a little bit. But there's some talk about that as well. So... Overall, the market was up nicely. Small caps were up about 2%. S&P was up about half a percent. Same with the NASDAQ, about 0.4%. So after pretty decent sell-off over the last week, you got a little oversold bounce. And at the moment, I think that's where we're at. Going to struggle with these highs until I think there's some resolution to where the trade war goes as well as how aggressive the Fed is going to get on easing. Now, as you can tell, there's a lot of interesting market news to talk about today, but now let's grab a question from our Anytime listener line at 888-99-CHART. Hey, Steve or Justin, this is Scott in Michigan, and I have a question about my 401k. My company recently added a Roth deferred part or attachment to my 401k. My question is, when you eventually get to retirement, in my case, how does that money come back out? I understand it's money that's already been taxed, but do you draw from that pool first when you go to retire? I'm currently splitting my contribution 10% to the regular 401k and 10% to the Roth. Is that the right way to go about it? Thanks for taking my question. Great question. And this kind of applies to IRAs as well as 401ks and Roth IRAs and Roth 401ks. Uh, the answer is it's up to you how you want to take that money out. When, the, when, you're, uh, when you put money into a Roth 401k or Roth IRA, you, you're putting in after-tax money. I mean, you can't write that contribution off on your taxes like you can with a normal contribution to a 401k or an IRA. So you pay taxes on that money, and typically you want to do that when you're in a low tax bracket, so you're basically locking in that low tax rate. Now, when you get to retirement, you might have or you should have a regular IRA or 401k and a regular or, or, or a Roth 401k and IRA. 
and you get to choose and that's the beauty of it it's a tax diversification in a way and uh, this is why i think uh, roth conversions roth contributions everybody should have the strategy to get money incrementally throughout your life into a Roth IRA. You should be thinking about that every year. Is this a good year to do it? What is my tax rate this year versus uh, what it potentially could be in the future? And you should be talking to a CPA to plan on that so you know how much to contribute or how much to convert so that you're not putting yourself into a higher tax bracket. And it takes a little bit of planning, but it's a smart strategy that, but it's a strategy you need to work on each and every year. So I like the fact that you are splitting that between a, a regular IRA and a Roth IRA. And the answer is when you get to retirement, if you've made a lot of money because of X number, X reason, or maybe you hit 71 or 70 and a half and you gotta do RMDs and suddenly your tax bracket's a little higher and you have to take money out of that regular IRA, then you don't have to take any additional amount out of your Roth. So there's just, there's just some strategies that you can use in retirement that gives you some flexibility. Okay? And that's really what having a Roth 401k Roth IRA does. It gives you flexibility in retirement and you get to choose as opposed to being forced to take money out of your IRA each and every year and forced to pay ta the tax on all of that money you're, you're taking out of that IRA. Maybe one year, you don't take any money out of your IRA, you just take it out of your Roth and then you don't have any tax consequences. So great strategy and hopefully that's some clarification upon retirement. Now you're listening to Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein and I have good news for our friends and listeners in Northern California. Steve Peasley and I, or just Steve Peasley, is returning to San Jose to conduct his valuable no-cost portfolio reviews. He has booked Wednesday, July 31st to meet with Invest Talk listeners who are serious investors. People are ready to balance their portfolios properly so they can maximize their performance. But you do have to register. You have to set a time. He only has about five or six slots during that day to meet with people. And he, we literally just set this today. So it's wide open, I believe. Maybe we have one already booked, but it's pretty open, but it's going to fill up fast. So. Go to investtalk.com, register there. Uh, we're also planning one for New York City here in the next couple months, so be on the lookout for that as well. And now I'm taking your questions live at 888-99-CHART. Don't look now, but the final trading days of June are here. There is good news. You can take control of your financial future if you know how. One way is to listen to Invest Talk, call in with questions, and then take advantage of the unbiased guidance offered each day by Steve and Justin. The phone lines are open, and now is your chance to shape the show. Call 888 99Chart. Eight 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 ninety nine chart eight eight nine nine two four two seven eight. Now today, the thirty year mortgage rate fell to three point seven three, near the lowest levels in two years. And a new survey shows that only twenty four percent of renters say they're extreme. They are extremely likely to own a home. And the catch is that they're having trouble getting the down 
payment, especially in expensive markets. That's one of the reasons why you're seeing the weakness in those expensive markets. So is it just a simple affordability factor or is it a culture change, culture shift? Do, few peop- do fewer people believe they actually don't need or want a home? If you're thinking of, of millennials, I think there's something to that. right? Millennials are more about experiences and freedom, living free. And if you've ever owned a home, you know that there's some level of grounding that comes with that, right? You have a responsibility of a mortgage, insurance, and, and taxes, etc. And they want to live close to cultural centers. They can walk and ride bikes and you know, things that are easily accessible. So I do think there is something to that, especially in large markets. Now, what about Bitcoin? Bitcoin had a big pullback overnight and it hit about 14,000, was it yesterday, day before? Now we're around the 10,500, 11,000 mark, somewhere in there. Uh, I had it up earlier today. So definitely a decent pullback. And the big question is, is this a pullback to buy? Well, if you're looking at simply from a charting perspective, and this is straight charting, you know, you, a lot of people know my 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 take on cryptocurrency and blockchain. The fact that uh, it's a very interesting technology, it's a very interesting idea, and I understand the ethos of the idea because of the the, the problems that central banks have created in our mon- monetary system. So I understand that. However, it is a very young technology that has a lot of problems with security and blockchain bloat and energy uh, demands, etc. that to me don't make it uh, sustainable long term. But that doesn't mean you can't go up dramatically in the near term. Prices often move based on sentiment more than actual fundamentals because what is the fun- what are the fundamentals of cryptocurrencies? So I think this is an interesting time. Uh, I do think there could be some upside if we hold that 9,000 mark uh, above where we saw it peak out last year. But I'm still not a big believer in the underlying technology. Now you're listening to Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein, and we are already nearing the end of June, and the markets have shown a lot of volatility over the past 18 months. And could go a little lower, could go a little higher. But are you prepared for either one? Are you do you have a balanced portfolio that's important that that, that is allocated for your needs and goals? Do yourself a call, give me a call at 888-99 chart. Your objective is to work hard, plan well, and achieve financial freedom, right? You're in luck, because Justin Klein is here now, ready to take your finance and investment questions. Call 888-99-CHART. Hey, Stephen Justin. 
just wanted to get your take on both Verizon and AT&T at this point. Uh, thinking about taking a long-term position, you know, more than five years in both names. The market seems a little frothy. These both pay good dividends. Looking to hold, collect the dividend, potentially see some upside, especially less downside uh, compared to some of the other names, especially utilities, which have run up big already. Uh, seems like somewhat of a value play in this uh, this market right now. Wanted to get your take on both these names. Love to know if now is a good entry point. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye. I do like both Verizon and AT&T. We actually own some AT&T in some of our managed accounts. Uh, Verizon yields about 4.2%, AT&T about 6.2%, and the charts both are looking pretty solid. Uh, AT&T is just coming off of a low in the high 20s, and now we're at about $33 a share at the close today. $32.98 was the close. Verizon has been as a much stronger, kind of longer term chart, I would say that. Um, but I think AT&T has made some nice acquisitions, right? They bought Time Warner and they've done that and they've put on a good amount of debt, okay? So that makes AT&T a little riskier and that's why you're getting that little bit better dividend as well because of the level of debt that they're carrying and the fact that uh, they're betting on this content, right? That they're acquiring and they're going to try to use that to launch a, a Netflix competitor, etc. So I like their strategy overall. It's definitely riskier. They may flop on the, the, the assets they've acquired and maybe they paid too much for them. That's certainly possible as well. But I like that. I like that upside. I'm willing to take that risk. You know, we've been buying it down here in the low 30s and high 20s for uh, about a year now. It's been kind of in that range and we just started to, to make a nice solid uptrend. So I like both names. The lower risk play is definitely going to be Verizon, but AT&T has the most upside. And if you look technically, it's getting a lot stronger. The 200-day, the, the which was sloping down about six months ago, is now flat. And all of the other uh, moving averages are now pointing upwards, which is a nice, nice change of scenery for AT&T. And you get that nice 6.2% dividend, but it is higher risk than Verizon, but I like both. Now, my main talking point today concerns the story about CVS and the fact that they're suing, they're suing one of their former employers for going over to Amazon's pill pack, Amazon's pill pack. And... You know, back in 2017, Amazon, or they didn't announce, but there was word that they were going to move into the healthcare industry. And many executives in that space said they weren't worried. But if you look at the lawsuit that CVS filed against John Levine, who was the former senior vice president at CVS Caremark's pharmacy network, he moved, he quit and he moved over to PillPack and they're trying to enforce a non-compete contract and not allow him to go work at PillPack. And in fact, the judge ruled in CVS's favor. So it shows that they are absolutely worried about the potential competition from the likes of Amazon. 
And the pharmacy benefit management business of CVS represents about 60% of their overall revenue last year. This is one of the reasons why they purchased Aetna, right? And they're trying to diversify their business away from retail, away from pharmacy. They're trying to create a lot of health clinics in the CVS facilities, etc. And I think it's a smart strategy, but it's going to take many years. And can they use that cash flow coming from the pharmacy benefits side and reposition their their business? Uh, certainly high risk, uh, but it shows that this is, once again, like I've been saying for a while now, the healthcare industry is going to be disrupted by somebody in the technology space, most likely, or it's going to be legislated by Congress that their profits are going to be more limited because they've been very greedy when it comes to what they charge healthcare companies, Medicare, uh, individuals, etc. Another indication that the industry is worried is that United Health has sued one of its employees for attempt- attempting to join a different Amazon subsidiary. It's called Haven. And this is Amazon's joint employer health venture with Berkshire Hathaway and JP Morgan. So Amazon could disrupt both the pharmacy benefit management companies, which basically they would ship the drugs directly to you as opposed to you having to go pick it up in stores. And they're also partnering with healthcare companies as well and maybe disrupting that area as well. So this is why I say this whole healthcare space is I think more dangerous than it's been in a long long time because of the onslaught from Silicon Valley as well as legislation and restrictions coming out of Washington. Now on tomorrow's Invest Talk, one prominent economist says that the US China trade dispute will be an epic battle lasting 10 to 15 years. That story's tomorrow. But as we go to a break, you often hear Steve and I cite the Dow Jones Industrial Average, and it's the second oldest U.S. market index. So brain teaser question. When was the Dow Jones Industrial Average first calculated? What year? Give me a call. 888-99-CHART. This is Talk, made possible by KPP Financial where principals and InvestTalk hosts, Steve Peasley and Justin Klein, are independent financial advisors. For clients, they are fiduciaries. Steve and Justin have a duty and a commitment to always place the interests of their clients ahead of the firm. This is different from the way many other organizations operate. And one way you can realize the benefit of an association with KPP Financial is to know that KPP practices parallel investing. This means that the personal investment accounts of KPP principals participate with client investments at equal prices and percentages. It's an important difference. You can learn more anytime at investtalk.com. At KPP Financial, we offer independent thinking with shared success. This is Invest Talk, made possible by KPP Financial, where they implement a very practical investing philosophy, independent thinking, shared success. Learn more anytime at investtalk.com. And now Justin's here taking your calls, so step up with your questions 
888-99-CHART. 888-99-CHART, 888-992-4278. Now, before the break, I asked this question. When was the Dow Jones Industrial Average first calculated? What year? Well, the answer was May 26, 1896. So it's about 120, what is that, 23 years old? Pretty crazy. So what is the Dow? Well, it is simply typically called the Dow, but it's a Dow Jones Industrial Average. It is the value of 30 large publicly owned companies based in the United States. And it's price weighted. Remember that. Price weighted. So I urge you, while I just talked about it, I urge you to ignore it. It doesn't matter. It's price weighted. It's so, which makes no sense, but it's what everyone said, talks about. It's what every, because it's a big number, right? It's, it's, it's more impactful to say, oh, the Dow went up 300 points than to say the S&P went up 60 points. Well, guess what? The 60-point move in the S&P is way more than a 300-point move in the Dow on a percentage basis. But people are drawn to big numbers. So what are you going to do? Let's get to another caller who took time to leave their question on our anytime listener line at 888 chart Hello, I am relatively new to uh, investing, but have gotten a lot out of your program, so appreciate it. I want to talk about my 401k and kind of my game plan going forward. I haven't looked at this really in any extent until the last couple of weeks. I've been contributing for three years into my 401k my company does not have a very good match. They just dump $750 in in a year, um, but we have other stock options for the company. But anyway, I selected initially a target date fund of uh, trust fund for 2050, and the makeup of that is 53% in U.S. stocks, 34% in non-U.S. stocks, 6.6% in bonds, and then kind of random little other things. And my rate of return over the last three years has been 6.4%. Would you suggest that I keep moving with this going forward? Uh, I also had a Roth IRA that I just started contributing. This looks like a pretty, obviously, aggressive plan. Should my IRA then also maybe be a little bit more conservative to balance that? Or what would you suggest uh, going forward? Thanks so much. Bye. Well, you sound relatively young, and it's hard for me to give you any indication of whether that's a good target-dated fund just based on the allocation of broad asset classes. I don't know if you're talking about the Freedom, the Fidelity Freedom 250 fund, or maybe it's a Vanguard fund. I don't know. So uh, that would be helpful. Uh, my, my initial response would be just simply make sure you get that $750. At least it's something. There's a lot of employers out there that do not match at all. So the fact that you're getting, I know $750 a year doesn't sound like a ton, but it's free money. So make sure you get that amount and contribute enough to get that amount. Then I would take balance of what you're able to save and try to max out a Roth for a Roth IRA, a Roth IRA. That's going to give you a lot more flexibility and a lot more choices, right? You can basically buy whatever you want within that IRA uh, and you can be more conservative. 
And the answer of whether you should be more conservative has a lot to do with your personality, um, your age. Uh, are you an aggressive investor? All those factors. Uh, clearly, a 2050 fund, especially based on that allocation you talked about, is aggressive. It's going to be aggressive. That's one of the issues with targeted funds is that their aggressiveness is always determined by simply the date right that target date how far out that is 31 years from now is a long time and therefore it's going to be extremely aggressive and you have to be okay with that if not then you the money in that Roth IRA should be invested more conservatively I hope that's a good way a good basis for you to think about your decision-making process uh, I wish I could give you more on that freedom or that that target data fund. In general, though, I don't love target data funds before the, that reason, but I can't speak to the one that you're investing in because I don't know which one it is. Let's go to Tim in the Bay Area. He's asking about VXX, which is a volatility ETF, correct? Uh, correct. Thank you for taking my call, Justin. So, uh, yeah, no problem. I Do you own it? You looking about to buy it? strategy of uh, selling uh, Put credit spreads, so being bullish on okay. it, uh, since okay. it's in its low uh, uh, range. Uh, it, as you are seeing, it uh, follows the uh, futures of the volatility index, the short term divided by the yep. long term. Um, yep. So I see it's not it's not been around that long, but I see since it's been around, it's facing around twenty five. Um, so I was thinking about uh, starting something around 25 or 24 as the uh, long put and then uh, capping the losses uh, one or two dollars uh, below that with a, with a, uh, a uh, bond put option. Okay, so you're, you're looking at selling uh, the, what, what strikes, the 24? Yeah, yeah, selling the 25 or 24 and then buying the 23, okay. 22. Okay, so you you would be, it would be costing you money, correct? No, no, I, I, I would be, no, I would be a net seller. Uh, so it would deposit uh, anywhere between, uh, between well, if 10 you're, and 20 If you're selling a call that's closer to the money, it's going to cost you, It's no. if you're buying a call Calls, that's closer sorry. to the money, it's going to well, cost you more than what you're going to get in selling something that's farther out of the money, right? A put, a put, put. Uh, so I'm selling the uh, oh, you're 24 put, put and buying I the see, got it, 24, got it. Uh, 23 put, yep. I see. Yeah, you're, you're talking about higher prices, so I, I was thinking you were going calls. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean... I don't love I don't love that to be honest with you I, I don't I don't love that strategy because I do think that the so so you're thinking it's going to break out that's basically what you're thinking you you want you want this to go above thirty uh, correct or any anywhere if it actually stays above twenty five I'm at twenty four yeah. if it stays above twenty four I get the net I I get the whole credit yeah what's if your time stays, frame on this what's your what, uh, what's your expiration? A month. A month? Uh, I don't love a month. You know, I if I'm uh, if I'm gonna have a bullish uh, position on something, I want to go out um, farther, right? And you're also gonna get if you're getting a credit, 
right? Then the farther out you go, the more in credit you're going to get. So, you know, I, I, I would go out farther. I would go out through the summer into the fall. Because you don't know, you don't know when this uh, this is going to break out. You could have. Uh, there's a lot of people think we're going to have a melt up into you know through three thousand the S and P thirty one thirty two hundred before we finally have that that rollover. You know, obviously the economy is is weakening, but you don't know when that's actually going to to break down. So a month is just simply too close of a time frame for me to to bet on a breakout in the VIX. Even though it's consolidating bullishly, I like what you're looking at. I don't love it because I would want to go out six months. Yeah, I probably got six months from now. Thanks for the call, Tim. I'm Justin Klein. You're listening to Invest Talk. So I think it's safe to assume that you are serious about investing because you listen to the show and you want to grow your wealth, right? And of course, you're making your investment choices and there's always a bit of fear that creeps into your judgment process. And we want to help you with that. We want to help you manage that fear and that greed on a daily basis. And we can do it even better if we understand your risk tolerance level and the risk level that you're taking in your portfolio today. So if you go to investtalk.com, you can fill out a free risk questionnaire, send us your portfolio. We can run a full analysis and give you a sense of, okay, what if the market goes down 30%? How much are you going to lose in your portfolio? Are you prepared for that? Does that match your risk tolerance level? These are all exercises you should do either on your own or with a professional like us. So head over to investtalk.com, fill out that risk questionnaire. And now I'm ready to take your questions live at 888-99-CHART. Our InvestTalk mission is to help you make better investing decisions. To do that on your own, thumbs up or thumbs down choices based on good, solid investing principles. But we need your questions to keep us on track. 888-99-CHART or click on Contact Steve or Contact Justin on investtalk.com. 888-99-CHART, 888-992-4278. Let's talk a little bit about the economy and some metrics that are showing the economy continues to weaken. Despite the Fed pivoting, we do have a weakening economy. And I'm going to touch on five signals. And the first one is the bond market. And we are in a situation right now where about 60% of the U.S. yield curve is now inverted. Now, what does that mean? What does that mean? Well, it usually shows that the bond market is indicating that the Fed is likely to reverse course, right? The lower interest rates. Why? Because the Fed controls the short end of the curve, right? When they change the Fed funds rate, they raise or lower the short-term interest rate on borrowing, right? The long end of the curve can float up or down based on market dynamics. Now, when on a normal yield curve, you have yields in the short end, three-year, one-year, two-year, etc., that are pretty close to where the Fed funds rate is. And as you go out farther, you're going to need to be compensated for lending your money out for a longer period, right? Locking that return up. And so typically, the longer you go out, the higher the rate is. However, at times, like now, there will be parts of the yield curve farther out, maybe three-year, five-year, seven-year, 
10-year that has a rate lower than the short-term rates, maybe the two-year treasury or the 90-day the, the treasury rate. And that means it's inverted. And what that's signaling is that, and guess what? The bond market says the Fed's going to be lowering rates. So two years from now, three years from now, five years from now, Fed funds rate's going to be lower than it is today. So I'm okay with locking in a lower rate because I'm locking in that rate for that extended period of time. So historically, this suggests that recession is likely to take place in the next year or two. And this started earlier this year, okay? So it's been like this for a little while. And so that's the first indicator that a recession is on the horizon. Next, manufacturing manufacturers are struggling. The ISM manufacturing index fell to 5.1 in May from 5.28, sorry, 52.1 from 52.8 in April. Now, it's still growing because anything over 50 means it's expanding, but this is the lowest number since the Trump presidency started. And if you look at regional manufacturing reports, like the Empire State Manufacturing Index, it posted its largest one-month drop on record. And the Texas region is now shrinking. So business executives in the ISM survey are blaming tariffs for higher material costs and messing up supply chains. So clearly the trade war is having an impact on our manufacturing sector, even though the goal of the Trump administration of these tariffs is to onshore manufacturing and that's not happening yet. Next, the, the earnings recession, it's looming. Right? This is the second quarter. Well, the second quarter is almost over, and analysts now expect corporate earnings to decline 2.6% year over year. Now, the economy kind of peaked out in the second quarter of last year and has been slowing ever since, and so it's tougher comps, right? tougher comparisons from the second quarter of last year. Now, the third quarter, earnings are expected to fall 0.3%, so a little better, but usually as we go along that quarter, expectations go down. So I expect that 0.3 to be a little worse. Now you also start getting into the fourth quarter, early next year, those comps get a little easier and maybe you get a rebound. But currently, we're very likely in the midst of an earnings recession. Next, home prices. Home prices are softening. The S&P CoreLogic Case-Shiller Index Grew only 3.5% year over year in April. That's the slowest rate in seven years. And if you trust Zillow, their compilation of national home values actually declined from April or in April from March. And a US downturn in the economy has always has always been preceded by a downturn in the real estate market. Lastly, consumers are now weird. The conference board's index of consumer sentiment fell to 121.5, its lowest level in nearly two years. Job creation last month, only 75,000 in May, compared to 212,000 
the previous 12 months on average. So clearly, these are the indications the economy is slowing. Can the Fed get dovish and pull us out of it? We will see. This is Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein, and we have one goal here, and that is to help you achieve your own version of financial freedom. And our work continues after this break. So get your questions in right now at 888 chart On the next Invest Talk, one prominent economist says the U.S.-China trade dispute will be an epic battle lasting 10 or 15 years. That story tomorrow. But now Justin is here, ready with answers, and he's waiting for your questions. 888-99-CHART. Let's go to Albert in San Jose. He is asking about AbV, a pharmaceutical company. Correct. So they just announced three days ago that they are purchasing Allergan, which was music to our ears because we had owned, or we still, we haven't sold it yet, uh, we own Allergan in some managed accounts, and so they have announced a, a buyout of roughly $60 billion, both cash and stock. The stock was down, uh, AbbVie was, obviously Allergan was up, but the big question is now what, right? You want to buy it, sell it, do you own it? Yeah, I, I'm trying to look into buying it uh, because I look, it looks like it's okay. also like 52-week low. Um, just wanted uh-huh. to see if it's a good time to go in. Well, it's certainly gotten more risky. Uh, you have some dilution there, right? They're going to issue stock in order to uh, purchase Allergan. And it does yield about 6.3%. And the yield, uh, the, that dividend is going to have to continue, and there's going to be more shares outstanding. So that's going to be a tougher dividend to maintain. But they do have a pretty modest debt load, only about $30 billion on a market cap of $100 billion. So that's not crazy. Um, uh, and technically, it's into a lot of support, kind of where it traded back in 2015 to 2017 timeframe. It consolidated there. So you're into some longer-term support. I like it. I like Avi here. Uh, we liked Allergan. They have a great aesthetics side of their business that uh, that is just growing dramatically, doing very, very well. Uh, my girlfriend's a dermatologist, so she sees this in, in a big way. And so I like this acquisition for them. And I think you're getting, uh, it's not super cheap by any means at these levels. Um, but I do like the, the direction of the business. I like this acquisition and I like that dividend. So the PE ratio of 20 for this kind of uh, company, is that like a reasonable PE for them? Well, it's a, it's a company that is, has slowing growth, right? And that's, that's the biggest worry. I, I don't see a PE ratio of 20 here. I see a PE ratio closer based on earnings of next year of $9.44. That looks to be closer to, what, seven, eight? So I don't see a 20p ratio here. I see it cheaper than that. Enterprise-valued EBITDA is around the 15 range. Definitely not cheap, but not super expensive uh, either. Uh, but like I said, their earnings or their revenue fell 1% year over year, and that's probably why they're looking at an acquisition, finding ways to boost their 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 growth over time. Uh, but their earnings last quarter were up 14%. So. 
Uh, long term, their return on invested capital uh, looks to be uh, pretty solid. Return on assets about eight and a half percent. Return on invested capital fifteen percent. I like those figures. So now that it's down, I like it because I like their acquisition. I think it was a smart acquisition. I like AbbVie here. We have it on our potential buy list. Haven't bought it yet, but potential buy list, and maybe we'll just turn into AbbVie shares once Allegan is bought out. Thanks for the call, Albert. Let's go to Santos in Boston. He's wondering about a recession, correct? Yeah. Uh, hi, Justin. Uh, yeah, I just wanted to know, like, uh, the signs of recession with, uh, like, in, in relation with the gold prices. Uh, like, uh, recently, the gold minus index are, like, going up. Uh, is that means, like, uh, like, how to relate that with recession? Uh, also, like, uh, I heard uh, Stephen you saying that, like, when everybody, like, when uh, all the investors are in the fear, like, the, there won't be a recession, like, when everybody is in, like, happy and, like, they don't think about recession, that's when the recession actually happens. So I just want to understand, like, the current situation. Well, I think, I think what he's saying is that when everyone's super happy, the there's only you only go down from there, right? And so uh, that that positivity can, can continue for a little while, but there's not a lot of, of upside. I think that maybe is what you're speaking to, and 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 vice versa. When everyone's super pessimistic, usually the government or the Fed are reacting to stimulate the market and the economy, and there's 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 upside there. But I don't, I'm not sure exactly what you're talking about. But gold does tend to go up in a recession. And it's mainly correlated to the U.S. deficit, which is absolutely skyrocketing right now. It is it is crazy that we have a trillion dollar deficit when unemployment rate is 3.6%. I would be buying gold on any pullback gold miners. This is a great time, and I've been saying this for a while. I've been accumulating it for a while. Buy gold. I'm Justin Klein. This completes another Invest Talk program. I thank you for your loyal support and questions. Please come back tomorrow. Steve will be here, and I will return on Monday. Good night. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice, or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor, which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is President and Justin Klein Chief Executive Officer of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial. And they thank you for listening and welcome your comments or questions on our 24-hour listener line at 888-99-CHART.